And I think this is something I learned from, you know, how one of the big ways I've changed from when I was, you know, 14 to now is that you learn that, you know, you have to be careful when making other people the butt of the joke. Because mm. everyone has, like, most people, they have stuff that they're okay with joking around about, but everyone yeah. has that line. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, and everybody's line's different. Just because yeah. you can joke around with, you know, I'm like, uh, my friend group now, There's, I would say, like, I have a lot of friends. Yeah. But, like, there is, like, you know, well, people I hang out with more than others. And, like, all of, like, you know, we'll just say 10 people. Like, all of them have different lines. And, you know, you're one of them. Uh, you one of the boys, Gabe. But uh, <laughs> like, like I'm aware that like you know my roommate Ben's line. You know we've yeah. known each other for a long time. We've lived together for next year will be six years. Yeah, his line's different than you know. Well, I can joke around with you about or with Bow about or with uh, any of my other friends. Yeah. So I think it's like it is a lot safer, and it can still be just as funny to to you know make yourself the butt of the joke rather than because a lot of the times you leave people feeling like they're being torn down, even if that's not mm. your intention. And I think growing up, you learned that whether you whether it was your intention or not, you don't get to decide how your words made other people feel. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, and especially over the last two or three years, I think I've grown a lot in that of, you know, sometimes you just, you know, even though someone throws you a fastball right down the middle, you got to watch it go by sometimes. You can't, you can't yeah. swing at everything. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the UR Story Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Huff Jr. And, um, you know, it, it's such a, a blessing. You know, I, I, I can't stress enough how much of a blessing it is to be able to have a platform like this where I can just share the wisdom that has been poured into me by the Lord and the people that the Lord has given to me in my life. And it, it's just amazing to be able to just share this and to experience this new age technology and stuff like that and this this new form of media where you know the the presence and the word of the lord can be emphasized and shared with so many people so you know for everybody that's listening for everybody that's been supporting and liking the videos watching them following the instagram subscribing to the youtube everything like that i just thank y'all all for that support but I say this all the time. There's so many of y'all that are watching that aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel. So what are y'all doing? Why not take that extra step? Go ahead and hit that subscription button. Hit the post notification bell so you can know when new episodes come out. And just roll with this, man. You know, I feel like God is doing something special here. And, you know, I just can't wait to see where he, he leads it. Because I, I plan to do this for a long time. I plan to do this for years. I'm going to be, you know, old doing this. So. I appreciate all of that. Um, but yeah, you're listening to you Our story um, where I just have people come on and they just share their stories. And by hearing their story, it can help you with yours, which doesn't just affirm the fact that you're part of the story, but affirms the fact that you are the story. And that's what we're here to do. Um, but I have a special guest here for y'all today. Um, if you've been listening, if you listen to the episode I did with one of my friends, Bao, a while ago, that's the Soldier for Christ episode. We mentioned a guy's name on there. Um, you know, this was a guy who we're both close to, a guy who we talked to, and a guy who I've really gotten to grow closer to throughout the years, someone who I went to with in college. Another M28 alumni, if you've been listening, you know I talk about M28 a lot. Uh, it was the organization, Christian organization I was a part of on campus, and we're both M28 alumni, both UNCC alumni. I got my homie, my friend, Jordan Ryan, how are you doing, man? 
I am good. Thanks for having me. I, I promise I have probably a far less exciting life than Bao. Uh, <laughs> Bao gets to travel, <laughs> do fun stuff. I'm just living in Charlotte. It's all good, man. So I, 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 I feel bad for asking you this, but I... Is your last name pronounced Roten or Rotten? Roten. Yeah, like R-O-W-T-E-N. Okay, my bad. There's no W. My bad. For everybody listening, I apologize. Jordan Roten. I've been called a lot worse. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, like what? Oh, people, like, I remember, like, playing football or basketball in high school, and you'll hear Rotten just echo over the intercom system of the announcers, and it's like, that's not my name. It's like away games? Yeah. Oh, so they're just, like, poking fun. Yeah. Which is, I, it's fine. Some of the stuff I've been called, I can't say on a podcast. <laughs> no, I feel that, man. But, you know, I appreciate you being here. I know you're you're a busy man. You got a lot going on and stuff like that. So just you being here, it, it really is, you know, special to me. I appreciate you being here and stuff like that. Um, But I mentioned your name on the Bow episode, like I talked about a little bit earlier just now. And you texted me and you said that you heard it. You, you heard that part and you wanted to be on the podcast. So I'm curious what made you, I guess, what made you want to be on this platform on this podcast? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, you're my boy. So I got to, you, you, you said the invitation out in the podcast. So of course I had to accept, but uh, you look like you and Bao had a good time. And I think it's interesting and I like what you're doing with the podcast, you know, getting different people. Like we talked about it beforehand. We, uh, we've sat here for an hour. Yeah. We've been uh, here for like, an hour just talking nothing productive was <laughs> talked about during that hour of, we'll call it prep time of practicing yeah but, uh, yeah i think like 15 minutes of it was gabe showing me how to get the mic set up close enough to my <laughs> face so y'all could hear what i was saying but yeah you was like you guys had a fun time so i figured you know why not come on have a good time myself yeah and you know it it really is a good time i i think one of my goals here is to make this as comfortable as possible, to make it as natural and as authentic as possible. Um, you know, I don't really, if you know, for y'all listening, I don't really do too much planning for each episode. I kind of have like a central topic or a central theme that I try to go off of, but I didn't really have one for this episode, but something that you said before we started recording, I told you that's it. Let's save that, you know? And something that you said was, you know, and I'm probably just played, not played, I'm probably just kind of not verbatim, yeah. but just kind of the gist of what you said was, you know, you kind of operate on a just seeing where it goes type of lifestyle. Yep. And when you said that, I was like, that's it. Let's make the episode about that. So I guess when you say that you operate on that type of lifestyle, what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, I would say that I don't plan much of anything. I think, you know, a lot of times if you, if you have the tendency to over plan, you can take a lot of the joy out of life away. And Mm. it's, you know, I just don't see the joy of the appeal of having every, you know, second of your life planned out. Some people have five, 10 year plans. No, that just doesn't seem fun to me. I'm also, I think I'm probably, there's probably a good middle ground to be found because I'm probably way too far over here of not planning out anything. (laughs) It is incredibly rare that I have anything you know eight hours ahead of me planned out like it's pretty operate most exclusively all my plans are the last minute kind of thing yeah so it can be pretty probably pretty frustrating to make plans with me because of that but pretty open for most things most of the time so i think that's a good good trait to have yeah and i i agree and in some aspects obviously planning is good um but at the same excuse me man 
<laughs> I tasted the. Uh, I ate some rice this morning. I tasted the rice and rice that, for and breakfast. That, that is that, yeah, that it, is bold. What do you have with it? Some chicken. Uh, that's a solid for breakfast, some, though. <laughs> some African things, my brother. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I I um I lost my train of thought. I forgot what I was saying. We were talking about uh the uh kind of man. Not planning things. Not exactly. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I apologize. We've been man. here for a long time. Yeah, we've been here for a while. Our brains are kind of like all over the place right now. But yeah, I, I think planning does definitely have its place, and it's always good to plan because it can help you be structured. Um, it can help you know exactly what you're doing at a certain time. But at the same time, I do think that too much planning, like you were saying, can take the joy yeah. out of life. Um, let's say that you planned your whole week down to the T and something comes up, but it doesn't fall in line with the plan that you've already set. There's a chance you could miss out on that and that experience that you could have had because you were so dialed into the plan that you set. And at the, also, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, a man's heart plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps. Mm -hmm. I think it's healthy to sometimes just listen to God and just try and hear what he is trying to tell you to do. Um, I remember there was a one of Paul's missions. He was going from like country to country, and God was sort of like blocking his way from going to those countries. Mm-hmm. But then he, it wasn't. I don't know if he was if he had planned too much, but I would assume he was just kind of, just had a desire to spread the gospel. So there wasn't yeah. too much direction in that. Um, I could be wrong, but. Let's just say he didn't have like too much of a plan or direction. You know, he was just listening to the voice of God, you know. And so I think sometimes if we plan too much, we can miss out on what God is trying to guide us or lead us to because our plan is so ingrained in our head. Oh, yeah. That God's voice just kind of takes a backseat to what we have. We have we want to do so that that's awesome, man. I um, I kind of operate that on that in that way a little bit too um i do plan though i I do plan a good bit um because it's in in a lot of my life it's necessary but for you i guess is that something that you kind of grew into or was it one of those things where you used to plan a lot but it wasn't really working out too much and so you just kind of went into that mode like how did that come about in your life oh i've never planned (laughs) okay i i do not like structure <laughs> at all. I kind of like to just be able to operate freely amongst a space. Yeah. And I think that was one of the hardest things to adjust to about graduating college and getting a job was like, oh, this is rather unfortunate. Like 40 uh-huh. hours of my week is pretty, you know, laid out what I where I have to do and what I have to be doing. Mm-hmm. So where I have to be and what I have to be doing. And so that was, that was quite the adjustment. I didn't like it very much. So I mm-hmm. think I've, you know, a year in – to being, you know, we'll call it an adult. Uh, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting more used to it. Yeah. It's like I've always, especially out through college, I kind of went to bed at like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, you wake up whenever you have to to go to your first class. Yeah. Come back. I always planned out nap times too. So I would always have like three or four hour gaps between at least two of my classes. So I could go home and take a nap. Yeah. And that was that was pretty awesome. They should, do, awesome. they should do that at work. Like a nap time? Yeah. Like I, a resting time? Yep. I should just use I, my hour break it work to nap hey there i think there's somebody at at my job i think who does that i could be wrong but 
Yeah, that that's nice. I, if yeah. I could, I would too. I used I to usually, do it when I first started working at the job I'm at now that I'm ironically about to leave. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would I would go nap in my car during lunch breaks. Uh, but uh, now I just like I can I just work through lunch and leave early. Which yeah, is probably I, I think it's a better option. I get more of my day back. But yeah, I, I don't sleep enough. I won't. But that's why I, I want to give up caffeine like altogether, like coffee, yeah. energy drinks. But as you can see, it's not working out very well. <laughs> but like, just the time change just wiped me. Yeah, the time change definitely does that, man. It, it, it like messed up a lot of people's routine. Mm-hmm. Cause when it's dark at, in the morning, oh, it's, it's like, terrible. Oh, I don't even want to wake up. Like when I no. leave at seven o'clock, to, I drive two hours a day from my current job to get what? to work. Yeah, with traffic and everything. And like when I'm leaving at seven o'clock, seven fifteen, and it's dark outside, it just doesn't feel like. It's just not fun. Like, yeah. It's dark. And it's, I, I want to go back to sleep and it's just miserable. Trying <laughs> to get it. Well, that's like when it, when the time changes in the fall, it's like pretty bright in the mornings when you go to work. So you're kind of mm-hmm. up, you feel a little bit better mm-hmm. and you get used to it and they change it on you for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people want to do away with it, but it is what it is, man. We should do away with it. Pick <laughs> one and stick to it. I don't understand what the purpose is. Of- <laughs> I don't know. It also but, messes up playing basketball at the evenings when I get off work. Because, uh-huh. like, you know, if it gets dark, like, now it's, like, perfect because it doesn't get dark till like, 7.30. So, yeah. I get home at work at 5.30. Yeah. You play basketball for a couple of hours and you're good. But, yeah. you get, you know, if it gets dark at 6 and you get off work at 5, hour drive home, it's dark and you can't play basketball. And yeah. It makes me sad. <laughs> I, f- I feel you, man, because basketball is a love, man. But, you know, with, with us, right, me yep. and your friendship, um, Something I like to do, I do this on every episode. I like to remember when and how I met people. And the reason I do that is because I like to see how far the friendship or brotherhood or sisterhood or anything like that, you know, just that the relationship has come. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny because when I first when I first saw you isn't necessarily when I met you. I'm trying to think. Do you remember? I remember anthem our sophomore year distinctly uh-huh did we meet before that and I we didn't meet but we, we saw rem- each other yeah and so we we both did <laughs> we both did intramural flag football you're right our freshman we did year do, yeah I, not freshman year sophomore year sophomore year okay yes. I, I, sophomore year i think yes okay yeah i was and M20, i wasn't in m28 my freshman year okay so yeah a sophomore year but we weren't on the same team you weren't on the m28 team did you not do flag I did, football the year I, before? I did, I did, I did do flag football my freshman year, but not on the M twenty eight team. That's what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, you're right. Because yes. so if y'all remember, y'all remember the guy I had on here, my friend, one of my closest friends, Adam. I had him on here a few weeks ago. Adam didn't go to UNCC, but he would come to the games because I was on. Yes, ja- I was on Jacob's team. I also had I Jacob on here. Guy. Yeah, yes. and I remember because. I think I remember seeing you and you stayed in Hawthorne freshman year, right? Yes. So I saw you a good bit that year, but we actually never met. Yes. Um, but when I really kind of saw you was at flag football because our teams played against each other and Adam was always on the sideline, <laughs> like yelling, yelling out plays, yes. screaming, you know, using <laughs> certain words <laughs> and stuff. I think well, he was around sophomore year too when we were on the same team on the M28 team. Yeah, he, I remember he, he, yeah he came. And yeah, he, he came he to a few games, yeah. And, but, yeah, and I remember because I remember seeing your face and then fast forward to uh, when you get into – when you join M28 yeah. 
that's when we really kind of like start yes. growing our friendship and stuff like that. And I remember we were talking about the flag football and you were saying how you remember seeing a guy that was just going crazy on the sidelines, yep. jumping up and down, yelling and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you now. I don't know if you remember me, but you remember Adam. Yeah. And so that was kind of like when we first kind of, I guess, saw each other. Yeah. But we didn't really like become like real close friends till um, M28, and then specifically Anthem at M28. I, I do I have, I have vivid memories of that Anthem of Pfeiffer, a guy we knew in M28. Yeah, because uh, you you was it you and him or you and the other Gabe played a lot of basketball that week. Me and the other Gabe. And played I don't a lot of think basketball. you won a game. I did not know. And. Pfeiffer was just letting you have it yeah. all weekend, all week about it. Yo, and it yeah. was just like unrelenting. Like Gabe said a word, Pfeiffer was right there to let you to remind you that you got beat. Yeah, and Gabe Potter's really good at basketball. He, he, is. he goes and plays with us when we go play. Oh, really? Outside, and he is he's insane. Yeah, he's very, good. very shifty. He's really good. Yeah. And keep in mind, I'm I consider myself a good basketball player, but. Gabe beat me. I'll give him that. So Gabe is on a different level. He's really good. He is very good. But uh, yeah, I remember Anthem. I'm trying to. I'm really bad at remembering when I meet people. Like oh. I, my roommate. Uh, I remember meeting him because it was such an awkward interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we met at the admitted students day. My roommate Ben. We've lived together since we were freshmen in college, and we still are roommates now. Yeah. But I just remember like us introducing ourselves to each other and then just kind of awkwardly like going our separate ways. It's like, Hey, my name is Jordan. My name is Ben. And then like kind of awkwardly just kind of fading in the distance from each other. Yeah. And other than that, like so many people I'm friends with now, I could not tell you like the exact moment in time when we, I could tell you like the moment we became friends. Yeah. But not really the moment. Like, Oh, I remember like meeting you at this moment. And yeah, like, Zach uh, is a friend of ours. We became, like, I would say, like, friends. He went to go watch the Demon Slayer movie with me and Ben. Yeah. So, I remember moments like that and the exact moments of when I meet people. Because I know I, I know a lot of people, especially at M28, you, you see a lot of people. So, you kind of yeah. like, oh, I, I know the face. But as far as knowing the person, it's a little harder to pinpoint that exact moment. Yeah. That anthem was wild. Yeah, we were talking it, that, but we don't have to go into detail about that. But yeah. we, we were talking about that beforehand, and that was a... <laughs> A wild anthem to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like moments that happen at anthem that is just ingrained in your your mind forever in your memory bank forever. Um, but another reason, like I like to remember when and how I met people, is because I usually meet people where they're at. For I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you meet people where they're at, like their mm-hmm. characteristics, who they yeah. are. You meet them at that moment, and a lot of the people that I have met. Um, you know, at while I was older, not some of the people I met as a kid, but when I met people as they were older, they've kind of they who they are to this day is the same person that I met. Yeah, if that makes sense, you know, they're obviously you know people grow and mm-hmm. stuff, and you've grown a lot as well, but you're still the charismatic, funny Jordan that I met. I consider myself there. a goofy giraffe is how I would encourage myself <laughs> as a person. He is tall. This dude is like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, three. Six, three, six, when so. we first met, I was I was 6'3", but I was like 170 pounds. So I, oh, wow. I was like, I was all limbs. Like I had no meat <laughs> on my bones at all. So I filled out a little bit since then. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's who you were when I when I met you. 
but there's still so much about like you know how you came to yeah. be like how you became the person that you are that I still am curious yeah. to know more about so I guess who was Jordan Rowan growing up and who is Jordan Rowan now so I'd say growing up I would say the the kind of the goofiness I've always had I think it's just part of Part of the, uh, I guess, the body built of being incredibly lanky and, you know, especially like in high school, like I was 6'3", but there were times I weighed like 160 pounds. Like I was all yeah. limbs. I think it just kind of comes with the territory of uh, yeah. being lanky. You're just goofy. Like you're always knocking <laughs> stuff over. You're always. Uh, but back then, like I, I would say that I was far more sarcastic mm-hmm. and smart mouthed and uh I would say I, I'm a lot more mellow than I was back then. I think I was always like, you know, now I can appreciate like the little things. And, but like back when I was younger, I was very charismatic and out there. But I also like, I don't think I appreciated the little things a lot. And I yeah. think you kind of get in, especially when you're a teenager and, you know, like maybe middle school teenager, but you kind of get caught up in the wrong thing. Not wrong things, but like you, you, you worry about, you care about the wrong things. What I'm trying to say, like you, the yeah. priorities you have are kind of like, not that important. And I think, like, when you're in that moment, you're like, oh, like, this is life or death. And then you look back, and it's like, oh, this wasn't important at all. Like, it's high school. At the end of the day, it's yeah. like, very rarely will anything you do in high school define who you are the rest of your life. Yeah. If you're, like, assumingly, I'm assumingly speaking that. I guess yeah, some, yeah. It's, yeah, certain things, of course, there's extremes that will change that. But yeah. I think, you know, I you know, you go, I grew up in a really small town as well. So that's a big reason why I came to Charlotte. It's like, I grew up in this really small mountain town. Where was that? Allegheny. Allegheny? Where, what? It's like an hour north of Boone, Boone, North Carolina. Oh. So I grew up in this like really small town. <laughs> Allegheny. It, it, it's, it's hillbilly mountains. That's why I sound <laughs> the way I do. And see, I think my accent has slightly dulled a little bit since being in Charlotte or I've just came used to it. So I know yeah. when I watch this back, uh, I'm going to hear myself and be like, wow. Man. I sound very country, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, man. So yeah, I grew up in you know small town. My graduating class yeah. of high school was eighty people. Wow, it took forty five minutes to graduate. Like our whole graduation ceremony <laughs> was forty five minutes. It was wonderful. <laughs> but I, yeah, like in a small town, like it's just you kind of can get trapped in a bubble, and mm. you kind of just feels like oh, like you know, a lot of people kind of think that oh, like the whole world is this little bubble, mm. and you know, I was I kind of just like Charlotte was the only school like I legitimately applied to. Like, it was, like, I was pretty dead set about coming to a bigger city and kind of seeing what the, I guess, the rest of the world had to offer. Yeah. And I'm very happy I did. And luckily, I had quite a bit of encouragement to do so. Like, my mom has always been, you know, probably, I would say my mother has been one of, if not the most impactful person, people in my life, because she's always been very, you know, supporting. And I think she's always encouraged me to, you know, chase what I wanted, even if it meant I had to leave home. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't kind of, some people don't get that. I think some people's parents, you know, want to keep them close and nothing wrong with it. I think it's all, you know, well, everyone wants like my, my older brother, you know, we were very different people. I love him, but you know, I think he likes a small town atmosphere a lot more than I do. Yeah. So like my mom was very, you know, encouraging and supporting of me, you know, going to college and, you know, she's helped me so much over the last five years of, you know, the four years of college and then, the year after, and, you know, I, I stand by going to college was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just the people I've met here, you know, how I've, I think college, not maybe not necessarily the institution itself, 
but the people you meet in college and getting to meet people with, you know, drastically different life stories than you. Yeah. So I think yeah. in a small town, you know, you know, like, my, like the whole county I grew up in was like at most 12,000 people. So the University of Charlotte itself is three times the size of that yeah. county. So it's crazy. Everyone, like there are mild differences, but for a good for a good portion of it, the majority of people, you know, life stories, you know, upbringing are fairly similar. So you go to a, you know, I think the worst thing you can do is surround yourself with like-minded people, like too many like-minded people. Cause then you never grow. You're never challenged. You never learn the other side of perspectives of things. So, you know, mm. while you can say what you want to about the institution of college, but the people you meet here, you know, you, you learn, you know, what other people go through in life, you know, the mm. experiences of other people, how they have had to, the obstacles other people have faced in your life. Yeah. So I think that I would probably say is one of the biggest things though. Like one of my biggest selling points on why people should go to college is that you're going to grow so much as a person. Yeah. And the people you meet are going to challenge your brain and challenge you to grow more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. Um, I feel like I didn't answer your question there, but I started rambling and went with it. Nah, you're yeah. good. You're good. You're good. Um, that that does answer it because, um, you know, I asked you, like, who was Jordan Rowe and, like, who is he now? You know, growing up in that small town, like you were saying, it definitely can kind of put you in a bubble yeah. because it's so – and there's obviously nothing wrong with that. You know, some people prefer that. Yeah. You know, like you said, your brother – Oh, there, there's definitely big perks of growing up in a small town. Like, it is, yeah. like, there's so many, like, you can streamline so much in a small town. Like, we're, like, here, like, in a city, there's so many obstacles. Like, going to the doctor, it's like, or, you know, trying to get something. But, like, in a small town where everyone knows each other, it's so, it's a lot easier to streamline a process. Yeah. Which I'm a big operations guy. So, uh-huh. I'm, like, it, it, it's very nice. And a lot of the stuff I still go back home to take care of. Like, yeah. a lot of, the, like, I still go to the doctor back home. Uh, you know, I, I prefer to use like my hometown banks and stuff like that just because like I know the people very well. And, mm. you know, even though it can be a hassle to go back there, like not hassle, but like the, the time commitment to go back there to spend the time driving. Yeah. I think just a streamline process. It, it's a lot easier on my mental than having to be here in Charlotte dealing with, you know, all the hoops <laughs> you have to jump through to just go to a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that's such a good way of, of putting it because you – like you were saying, you know, growing up in that bubble, I think a lot of times we can get too comfortable mm-hmm. and it can create not necessarily a fear, but a a lack of, I guess, an ignorance and not in a bad way, but an ignorance that there is a world out there mm-hmm. of so many people that experience so many different things and it can be even be the same way in the country. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not saying you have to travel, but I've heard some people who said they've learned more by going to other countries mm-hmm. than they ever did here and or just staying in the same yeah. country that they've always been. And so there's definitely perks to that and it can definitely like open up your radius of, you know, what this world has to offer. Mm-hmm for a person and the learning that you can get. Um, you know, I was the same way, you know, Indian trail. It's, it's grown a lot yeah. since I, but since we've been there. Point of time. Yeah. Uh, pretty small. There wasn't too much. There's a lot. It's sort of like in the country as well. Yeah. 
kind of like rural Monroe, areas. Monroe too. Yeah. Like, like even though you have like the, the overarching area of Charlotte, you kind of have the little bitty like tucked away subsectors in the outside that are yeah can be kind of small and secluded. Yeah, and I, I I appreciate small towns too because um you know there we have led the Thanksgiving parade every yep. year and. You know, a lot of times when you're in such a big atmosphere, you know, that can be like a work environment mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a, like your school or just your city or your town, you know, a big environment, you know, it's not really too inclusive. Yeah. And so it's like you see a new person every single day. Well, I mean, going to work, you see the yeah. same people, but like just on a regular, like, it's just so big and there's so much to do. It's yeah. kind of overwhelming a little bit sometimes. Oh, that is, Versus that is like true. Versus, like, a small town, you know, Indian Trail, they do this parade every year, Thanksgiving parade. Mm-hmm. And even, like, sometimes the people that are running for mayor or positions in the politics and stuff, um, you know, they ride through on the cars and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, I, I probably should look more into politics. I'm not really too into it. Oh, I, I, I'm not a politics guy. Yeah, same I, here. But just being able to, like, see the people that are running and kind of feel Mm -hmm. that connection with them in that moment, I think that's awesome with small towns. Um, But at the same time, I think it was, like you were saying, going to college for you, I can definitely see how that has benefited you because you, like you said, you've always been... You've always been like a, a good, just like a natural goofy person. Yes. It's not like oh, you're doing it on purpose. It's just natural. One of the most so, embarrassing moments of my life was it was my junior year of football. And we're doing a film study of our previous game. And I was the quarterback. And I'm in the pocket. <laughs> I trip over my own feet trying to step up and run. And <laughs> the coach just pauses and stares at me. And everyone just turns and looks at me. And I'm like, I'm like I, I can't help it, guys. I'm just goofy. Like, yeah. It's part of the, part of, part of the charm, I guess. But. <laughs> But yeah, just by you going to college and just kind of like sharing that with so many people, like just it, I I tell this to a lot of people, but there's some certain people who are able to brighten your day just by seeing them. Oh, yeah. Like just by knowing that they're a happy person or just by seeing them walk in the room. Yeah. You know, whenever I came into M28 you would always be one of the first people who would come up to me and be like, hey, what's up, Gabe? Give me a hug and stuff. Say, I love you, bro, and stuff like that. Like, that. that's a good feeling. It's like like Chick-fil-A, like how they say my pleasure. It, make, it makes yeah. you feel good, you know? And so, yeah, you going to college and you not, you being the same person in that small town mm-hmm. as you were when you got to college, yeah. I think that's a lot of, that I think that's so important for a person because it's just that authenticity mm-hmm. that that not being afraid to show who you are, show who you really are. Cause in a big city like that, it can make people try and fake who they are to yeah. try and fit in with everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just like the big thing of like when you're like a teenager, that's probably like the biggest thing on your mind is fitting you know, in. Fitting in and it's yeah. like you look back now, you just kind of like, wow. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what anybody you, you you once tried to impress or be to fit in with. Like, it, like now you look back and it's like none of their opinions mattered like at yeah. all. Yeah, but you're kind of like I wasted so much time and mental effort to fit in with these people to or try to get people to like me or you know 
make decisions based on trying to get approval from others. And it's like uh-huh. none of none of their opinions mattered, you know, now that you're three, four years away from that. Yeah. So it's better to just be true to who you are and let the cards fall how they may. Yeah. And I this may be I don't know how well this is gonna go, but I, I think I feel that I see that a lot in Christianity too. I, I think um a lot of times you know, a lot of people have this picture of Christianity mm-hmm. as you have to be like serious all the time. Yeah. You have to be like stoic. I mm-hmm. it's like stoic expression yeah. and just take it seriously. You do need to take it seriously, obviously. But I, at the same time, I don't think that should compromise who God has made you to be. Yeah. You know, because with you, for example, you're the you're the same person everywhere including when we're in a christian setting mm-hmm. you know what i mean you're not and you don't obviously want to like <laughs> just start like yelling and stuff like in the middle of service yeah. and stuff like that because there's like there's like respect yeah you got to know like your situation yeah. and kind of yeah. have like situational re- awareness around you yeah but a lot of people a lot of christian people try to sound like when they're talking to somebody they try to sound smarter than they are for example oh like yeah. they they a lot of people feel like they have to use big words and stuff like that. Say mm-hmm. something that is what society would view as profound yeah. to have an impact as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But with you, I think a big impact that you have as a Christian man that you are is somebody who is just able to put a smile on people's face. Yeah. Somebody who's able to encourage somebody who's able to laugh at themselves. Yeah. You know, we talked about, we don't have to dive into it, but we talked <laughs> about Anthem and some of the jokes and stuff like that. Oh yeah. You know, some of them got heated. Some of them got deep. Some of them were like, eyebrow raises. I like, stand, Ugh. we won't say what it was, but I stand by that. I got the worst of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't think there was a competition that I got the worst of. Yeah. It, but, he, uh, he got it. He got, I got it. roasted. Yeah. He got it bad. But, uh, self-deprecating humor is my specialty because I think you have to be careful. I think making jokes and like poking fun is perfectly fine, but you have to be careful. And I think this is something I learned from, you know, how one of the big ways I've changed from when I was, you know, 14 to now is that you learn that, you know, you have to be careful when making other people the butt of the joke because everyone has like most people, they have stuff that they're okay with joking around about, but everyone has that line Yeah, yeah, that, you know, and everybody's line's different just because yeah. you can joke around with, you know, I mean, I, my friend group now, there's, I would say like, I have a lot of friends, yeah, but like there is like, you know, all people I hang out with more than others and like all of like, you will know, just take 10 people, like all of them have different lines and you know, you're one of them. Uh, you're one of the boys, Gabe, but uh, <laughs> like, like I'm aware that like, you know, my roommate Ben's line, you know, we've yeah. known each other for a long time. We've lived together for next year will be six years. Yeah. His line's different than, you know, well, I can joke around with, you about or with bow about or with uh, any of my other friends. Yeah. So I think it's like, it is a lot safer and it can still be just as funny to, to, you know, make yourself the butt of the joke rather than, because a lot of the times you'd leave people feeling like they're being torn down, even if that's not your intention. And I think growing up, you learn that whether you, whether it was your intention or not, you don't get to decide how your words made other people feel. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, and especially over the last two or three years, I think I've grown a lot in that of, you know, Sometimes you just, you know, even though someone throws you a fastball right down the middle, you got to watch it go by sometimes. You can't, you can't yeah. swing at everything. Yeah. But uh, it's like learning where people's lines are at, learning where everyone's soft spots are, and, you know, just yeah. 
sometimes you've got to say it just because it comes to your head. Yeah. And I think I've learned that a lot over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. You know, you obviously don't want to be, you don't want to be someone who has a reputation of being taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, for me to feel good, I know that this person isn't going to feel some type of way when I, or at least I'm not going to see them feel some type yeah. of way when I constantly keep on pestering yeah. them and making jokes about them and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do think that it is healthy and it is important to have that line yeah. to where, you know, it just don't, you don't want to have the reputation of being someone that kind of walks over it, people or that is like a yeah. pushover, like a walk pushover. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are some people who just won't say anything. There are exactly. some people who just aren't able to protect themselves, yeah. right? And so, yeah, I, I do think it's important to have that line and, you know, to do that. But I also think it's important to know how to take a joke as well. Yeah. Some I mean, people are really bad at it. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think that's, you know, I think there are people in my life that, you know, don't take jokes very well. Especially, yeah. but I think it's just part of like, you, you just kind of got to take a step back and like, hey, maybe that's just not an element of our friendship we can have. And it's like, yeah. I can respect that, you know, you, and I think it's fine. I think that sometimes you, in order to have meaningful relationships and friendships, you have to be willing to like kind of sacrifice that a little bit. Yeah. And I like what you said. I, I told you before we started recording, I'm a big quotes guy. I keep a ton of quotes in this book. I like what you said about the fastball. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure that I give you the credit for that Jordan Rowan on it. But the fastball, sometimes people are going to throw a fastball and sometimes yeah. you can't, you don't, it's, sometimes it's just better to let it go than to swing because yeah. You know, with the whole, the Bible tells us, you know, and I'm not, not verbatim, but the Bible tells us, you know, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we try to put that in our hands. We try yeah. to swing back and then that can cause a whole chain of events where there's just yeah. a bunch of swinging going on from both sides and other people can be negative to it. Yeah. <laughs> man, negatively and, and dang, I cannot speak <laughs> over my, I'm tongue tied. It'll negatively affect others in that process, yeah. collateral damage, and it can ruin friendships. So, yeah, I think sometimes it's just healthy, not sometimes, all the time, really. But I to it don't obviously don't cross a line that you can't come back from. Yeah. But at the same time, don't be a pushover. But majority of the time, just let it be in God's hands. Yeah. You know, God is always going to have your back no matter what. So speaking of God, man, you are very much a man of God. Yeah. And so how did you come to make that decision to put your life in Christ? Yeah. Before we go to that, I just want to say two things regarding the last topic before we move on. That yeah. Sometimes you're not going to find that line until you cross it. Mm. Like when you're joking with people. Because, yeah. again, like I would say that I have a very Noah holds bar. Like again, reference an anthem. Uh I have a pretty no holds bar sense of humor. So like I am, it, you have to go very far before I will be upset. Yeah. I think you can back that up. Yeah. Not everyone's like that. So you might make something that, you know, is what you think is a level five joke. It's kind of fine, but for them it could be a, a nine or a 10. Mm, and I think yeah. it's, I've always tried to, you know, tell my friends or anyone who's close to me in life that, you know, like someone tried to open the door. Uh, but, uh, if I ever say something, like, be, like, the level of transparency and honesty, like, hey, like, if I say something 
that you think was too far or that you wouldn't want to be the, the topic of a joke again, just yeah. tell me. Like, I can respect that. And if you tell me not to, I won't joke about it anymore. Yeah. And I think having that level of transparency is important. Mm-hmm. Is that way, you know, you're not like you're unbeknownst, unbeknownst to yourself or push or making someone else feel bad and you're just unaware of it. Yeah. Now, going back to your next question, uh, I became a Christian sh- uh, my sophomore year of college. Really? So, yes, I. Wow. I, so when we saw each other and flag football that one time before nope. we met, nope. you hadn't come. Wow. OK. So I, I, of course, in a small town in the south, you're around church a lot. It's a Bible belt. So. You're around it, but, you know, wasn't – young Jordan, it was not really his thing. Uh, so, you know, especially, you know, I credit my mom a lot for this. It's like my mom didn't try to force, you know, a square peg into a round hole. And mm-hmm. I think – my mom, I think, did a great job create, uh, curating the way she parented to the personalities of me and my brother. Yeah. And uh, – uh, so she never, it was never an element of forcing me to go to church or anything. Like once I became, you know, old enough to drive, I got to, she kind of gave me a choice. It's like, you know, got to get a job. Yeah. I play sports all throughout the week. So yeah. like, you know, between, you know, I played football from, you know, fourth grade until my, after my junior year of high school, Yeah, basketball all throughout high school and in middle school. And I did track my last two years. So, like, all throughout the week, I'm, you know, basketball practice, basketball workouts, football, track, all these things. So, I only really worked on the weekends, which, you know, was typically an eight-hour shift on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high school Jordan had very minimal interest of – and I would say that if you asked high school Jordan, he would say he was a Christian. But I think I can sit here and say I was. And I nothing about how I operated or lived my life at all cor- correlated to – the Christian walk of faith. Yeah. And even going into my freshman year, I think when I kind of, you know, went to college and, you know, Ben, Ben went to church and then we lived with an RA named Isaac. And he, you know, he was part of, he wasn't part of M28, but he was part of a different campus org. Yeah. And, you know, he was, you know, active. He invited me to go to their stuff. He invited me to Bible studies and stuff like that. And then sophomore year, uh, Ben and Sheldon found, they, they saw one of the big old wooden signs yeah, now, the pet peeve yeah. of mine. People steal those things so much. Really? Yes. Our my uh, my junior year, you know, Ben was over that uh, sector of M twenty that built the signs, and like, yeah. dude, we spend time painting them, building them, putting them, and then they they, they steal just them, take them man. they break them. Like, why, why would you steal all like, those things? Are pretty heavy. You don't realize how heavy they are until you're, you're <laughs> running through a you're running like out in front of the union. Like, you know, Ben puts in his car in park, and I'm running, grabbing the thing out of the back of his car and carrying it to where it needs to go and sprinting back because we're holding up traffic. Like, those things are heavy. Like, yeah. you have to try hard to steal those things. So, sorry for the side rant, but it was ridiculous. <laughs> I feel you, uh, man. But, yeah, so it was I, – I would say November of 2019 is when I'd say that I think I it, it clicked. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of just realize that what you're living for and – your motives in life aren't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And like, like my favorite book, and because of that, my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm. I love that book. Uh, a lot of people say it's depressing, but I think it's, you know. There's joy in it. Yeah, there's a lot of joy in it. And I yeah. think uh, for people struggling to find the meaning of life, which is something that I think has always been a thing that I, you know, throughout my, you know, late years of high school, and especially my first year of college, I pondered yeah. a lot, was like, what's the meaning to any of it? And, you know, 
it's assumed to be written by King Solomon, who's old, and he's kind of like, I don't know how much you know about the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, hey, I could, yeah. But for the people listening, too, it's assumed to be written by King Solomon when he's old, and he's kind of just recapping the events of his life. Yeah. And he's talking about just how, like, you know, how he tried so many different things to find happiness. Or yes. He tried, you know, his yeah. works, you know, money, sex, Wives. power. All, the dude, like, it's estimated, like, some biblical scholars will say over, like, 400 wives and then yeah. how many other. But, and he talks about just how unfulfilling and how in vain everything, how he felt. Like, mm-hmm. nothing could ever really satisfy his meaning of life or, like, satisfy what he was looking for. Yeah. And I think, you know, you kind of just, I think a lot of people uh, struggle with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend reading it to anybody. Because I think, I like I like reflective writing a lot. And I think there's a lot of honesty in it. Like a yeah. book I'm reading right now is uh, called, I think it's called, a, it's a pain observed. Or I think it's a pain observed. I can't, but uh, it's written by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like a series of journal entries he wrote after his wife died. Wow. And it's just like him, and like he'll write his initial, and then like the second journal is going back after reading the first one and reflecting on it. Yeah. And I think I like the honesty and reflective writing. So I think that like you kind of just realize that in that, that November, you know, 2019, I just realized that like what I was trying to live for was unsatisfying and that there is a better pathway and that like nothing really on this earth that, you know, we're told to, especially as, you know, the age we are now as people in our mid to young 20 or young to mid 20s is that, you know, none of the stuff they tell you to care about is going to bring satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And like we're meant for something greater than this life yeah. on this floating rock under yeah. the sun. Yeah. So that, that is my story of, yeah. That's why I love that book. The book of Ecclesiastes is it, is, is that the book that made it click for you or was, did you, was it like some, through somebody else or was it through another book or was it through M28 where it was that moment that it so, clicked for you? So I've been going to M28 for two or three months and I was, you know, like I was, you know, I talked to, you know, some people a little bit and then just one night in the library, one of the few times I ever went there, went there. Uh, we were just a group of people and we were talking. It was like two or three o'clock in the morning and I think it just finally clicked that like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, like you just have that moment where it clicks. Uh, mm. You know, some people have these, you know, like they have like these really big moments where it clicks. And but then I think some people just have like it just clicks in your mind. And yeah. I think I think both are great. And I don't I don't think you have to have this, you know, really big. I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. This cinematic moment uh-huh. to to feel it. I think you can have yeah. this. Like I think a, a lot of people, even though like it's like you were saying, like it's profound and it's like very popular in our culture to say like, Oh, I had this very profound cinematic moment of coming to Christ. But I think for a lot of people, it's just this like realization of what you're doing isn't working. And you just have that click Mm -hmm. that like click of reality. And I think that that does not mean your salvation's any less than someone who, you know, had this big cinematic moment. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it was just like it just clicked, and I kind of just kind of have this moment of realization that what am I doing? Yeah, and like why does all this stuff I care about? Why do I keep trying to find satisfaction in it if it doesn't work? Yeah, so yeah, and like it's it's awesome, like bro, because 
with the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, I think the biggest, like the mic drop moment in that is when the assumed author Solomon says everything is futile, like everything is futile. Mm -hmm. I think he, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a couple months since I've read the book, but I I believe at one point he just straight up says he hates his life. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I could be wrong, but I think at one point, if he doesn't say it as bluntly as that, he definitely hints at it. Yeah. But yeah, back to what you were saying, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Yeah, it's like the mic drop moment is that when he says everything is futile, and I think that's such a breaking point for somebody who's a Christian because, like you were saying, it's that realization Mm -hmm. that none of the... Although not saying that some of this stuff isn't important, yeah. but, you know, I don't know if Jesus says this directly, but something that you can kind of infer, like, from what he says, mm-hmm. and um, I forget which book, but obviously one of the Gospels, you know, he, he alludes to us kind of counting the cost yeah. before we come into Christianity, before we come to follow him. Mm-hmm. You know, that story where... Jesus tells the man to sell everything he owns yeah. and then you can follow then you follow me and mm-hmm. stuff. You have to be willing. You have not saying you have to just go and throw everything away, yeah. but you have to be willing to lose everything mm-hmm. for the Lord. That's how yeah. important it is. Look at Job, you know, Job had his faith and he stumbled a little bit obviously, yeah. but you know his wife and stuff like that yeah. with that whole situation. But for the most part, Joe remained faithful despite losing almost everything, pretty much everything. Yeah. And so counting that cost means, you know, when you're stepping into that relationship, when you come to that realization to put your life in Christ's hands, you know, you kind of have to mentally prepare yourself yeah. to be willing to sacrifice, you know? And so that sacrifice, like you were saying, that's so important. And then you know, to your other point where you were saying it doesn't have to be this profound yeah. thing. That's something that I struggle with too. Um, something bef- I struggled with for a while. Yeah. Cause both of our stories are kind of, oh, we were around the church and yeah. then we grew up and then we just became Christians. We mm-hmm. just came to that realization. But there was like a, I would say like a four year gap where I maybe sat foot in a church once. Wow. From like 16 to 19, I think. Mm-hmm. Something in that age gap. So yeah, okay, that's different from us. Yeah, I, 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 it's like every week. That's how yeah. I was raised and stuff. But yeah, I, like I was saying, I struggle with that because my story and my testimony is mm-hmm. in the. I, I guess how society would look at it. It's just so simple. Yeah, it's like I grew up in the church, so you were supposed to become a Christian. You know, yeah. it was like always, it was always like written, mm-hmm. which obviously was because I mean God writes yeah. our stories, but. Obviously, you're a Christian because you grew up in the church. And sometimes that I struggle with that because it's like, who can I impact with my story? Because it's like, it's just you're doing what you were supposed to do. Yeah. You know, whereas we have all of these other stories of people who, oh, I was, you know, I, I was struggling with this. I was, yeah. you know, at, at gunpoint. I was, you know, all this. I almost lost my life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I came to Christ in that moment. And nothing wrong with that. That's so yeah. powerful. You Every testimony of someone who came to Christ is very powerful. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times, and I see, and even on, um, you know, TV and media and stuff like that, we popularize so much the people that came, ha, came had like the rags to riches testimony. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like the, Amer- some- the American culture of, you know. Yeah. Of, like you, the racks to riches is like tremendous story of success. Yeah. And it is a tremendous story, but we can't forget about those who think about like, like every work that God does is powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God bringing somebody from racks to riches I believe is just as powerful as God bringing somebody that grew up in the church to himself as well. And I I think we have to start celebrating that a lot more. Yeah. I I mean, you know, and that's part of the reason why I really enjoy this podcast. I don't ever want to, I obviously I do want this platform to grow, Yeah. but I don't want it to get to the point where there's only like celebrities here. I mean, yeah. You know, people that have like these big stories, but they're also unrelatable as well. Like, yeah, I and, think, yeah, we get and, so caught up in the profoundness that we forget that like the common person probably their story is probably far more simpler than that. Mm-hmm. And like, even and though it, we might have fairly like bland uh, <laughs> stories, it's probably something a lot more people can relate to because a lot of people probably struggle with the same thing of feeling like. Oh, like my story is not exciting or stuff like yeah. that. Or like my, you know, you know, coming to faith was just kind of like, oh, something like little clicked and I didn't mm. have this like big profound explosion of Yeah. That doesn't mean it's any more valuable or any less valuable. Exactly. So and you know, once God gave me that realization, like you said, like this your story matters. You know, people can and, and then he started opening up more opportunities and you know, it's crazy. The reason, the main reason, obviously it was because of the Lord, but the main reason um, I'm even on the trajectory, like I was telling you, I'm soon going to um, be preaching is from my testimony. Yeah. You know, I shared it in church one time and then the opportunity was brought to me to do the MC to welcome the yeah. church. And that led to now all of this stuff and preaching mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it led to, me launching the reclassified.com. Make sure you go check it out. Make sure you subscribe to it. Make sure you go listen and read some of the blogs I have on there. It's very encouraging blogs. It's very encouraging. I work hard on it and I started it. You know, y'all know the story. If you've been listening, you know the story of the reclassified. So go check out the reclassified.com. Shameless plug. What a plug. I just learned about it today. <laughs> I've known the guy for three years and he's never mentioned it to me. So, yeah. But the one of the big reasons I started that. You know, it's for everybody, obviously, but it's also for just the common man, you know, the um, common man and the common woman who grew up in church. Yeah. And I think our stories can be powerful because I think it can just go to show that you don't have to be a Christian just because that's what you were supposed to do that just because that's where life brought you. Mm -hmm. You can choose it. Because you actually want to have a yeah. relationship with Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's the thing in the South, especially in the Bible Belt. The idea of like a nominal, the nominal Christianity, where it's like, you know, I grew up going to church. Everyone around me goes to church. Yeah. I still go to church. I'm a Christian, of course. But it's like, I think it's different once you have that genuine connection. And like, you, you're not doing it because you're doing it to fit in. You do it because you genuinely have a faith yeah. in God. Yeah. And, and that's so important. And I, I think that our stories do have value in yeah. this world. And I, I do believe that God can use any testimony, mm-hmm. you know, the rags to riches yeah. testimony, the, you know, simple life testimony yeah. and anything. It's all profound. It's all profound in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all important. And 
like I was saying, I don't, I don't ever want to compromise the goal of this podcast. You know, yeah. this podcast is for everybody. If people that are more well-known want to come on eventually, they're more than welcome. Yeah. But I don't want to just put myself in that box and forget about yeah. just, I, I hate to say like regular people because everybody, nobody, nobody's, one of J. Cole's songs, he's like, no such thing as a life that's better than yours. Um, I don't I don't think anybody's like better than anybody. Yeah. You know, obviously we're better at certain things, but just yeah. the core of our value in mm-hmm. the eyes of the Lord, which is the only eyes that yeah. matter, we're no more valuable to him than yeah. somebody else. And they're no more valuable to him than we are. Um, but I don't want to forget about, I guess, the simple common man. You know what I mean? And I, I hate using common, but like it, you you know what I mean. Yeah. I hope you know those listening know what I mean too. But um, yeah, that realization, man. Once you came to that, you know, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of like what you were talking about before, with you kind of just take life as it is. I guess you don't really do too much planning. Mm. Do you think that is why you love the book of Ecclesiastes so much? Because uh, the assumed author Solomon kind of emphasizes that, you know, everything is futile or was it something else? I think that's definitely a part of it. But like my mindset with, you know, my refusal of structure (laughs) and planning, I think it it goes into like other aspects of my life as well. Like I... I probably don't care enough about a lot of things. I will say I think I'm I'm incredibly low maintenance and I think that sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. Cuz like some people like like especially I've learned through interaction with people. Like I have friends, you know, and different, you know, friends, family, they they like to plan. And I think like uh there's probably been times that I have my refusal to to plan has probably made people feel unloved or that I'm not prioritizing them, mm-hmm. which isn't my intention, of course. Yeah, of uh, course. And I, I, I'm a big, like, it is, I'm trying to think how to word this the politest way possible and also correlate it back to what you <laughs> said about the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Might have to just break it up into two sections. I don't know how I can loop it all together. but So you're all good, man. I think a lot of times my lack of care of planning and all that can soup into, like, I have a very short list of people whose opinions I, I trust mm-hmm. and uh, whose opinions I take into account mm-hmm. when I'm making decisions. Uh, so I think, like, as a whole uh, – I've lost completely lost my train of thought. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it all back in here of how it all how it all works together. Because I think a lot of times it's like probably just an adaptation of that. Like this this what we what we're kind of taught to value is that you know you can't base you can't live your life to make others happy, Mm -hmm. or because that's kind of like you know you fall into that same pitfall what he did in Ecclesiastes where you're trying to use all these things to get the approval or to find happiness. And some people it adapt and like they need the approval from others to be happy. Mm. And I think I'm probably on the complete other side of the spectrum where there's like, I have a very short list of people that I, I let have any type their opinion, have any like consideration <laughs> in my life choices. And yeah, uh, you can be better than that than I am. But uh, I would, I'd advise there are probably, uh, there are better ways to do it. I think a lot of people have wisdom. Like I'm 24, 23. 
mm-hmm. just turned 23. Uh, I, there's, uh, I, I probably should do better about seeking more counsel from others, but I'm also trying to, I also try to be very careful not to slip into that of yeah. trying to live my life, like my, trying to find my source of happiness and meaning in the approval of others. Yeah. So I think all of it kind of returned that. That's probably why I do like the book of Ecclesiastes so much is because I, I try to be very careful of, I did it. I did loop it all back together. Uh, so, so. I uh, I try to be very careful of what I let be the center and the meaning of my life. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some people that would say that I, I, I should definitely work on it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's, I'm very protective over that, of what I try to find the meaning of life in. Yeah. And like to me, like I, you know, we're kind of told like, especially like our age, we're in our, you know, early to mid twenties is, you know, so where you like, you know, you build that foundation, you work a lot, you save a lot, you, you know. And But to me, it's just like all that, is that stuff important or is it a means to an end? Mm. Like you can like, uh, you know, have as much money in the world. You can, you know, work, you know, you can work 90 hours a week making, you know, over a million dollars a year. But what good is it if you're by yourself? Mm. And it's like I think so many times we view stuff as what we should, instead of viewing it as a means to an end, we view it what life should be about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to me, it's like, I'd rather, I, I have a little chart. It's like the amount of hours or the amount of money I can make with the amount of hours I have to work. Yeah. Where does those two lines meet? <laughs> and that is, you know, cause like, I think you can, it's very, especially if you like what you do, Yeah. which, you know, I work in energy and I think energy is a very fascinating field. Uh, but if you're not careful, that'll kind of, if you, especially if you like what you do, that can manifest in a way that takes over your life mm, and you neglect yeah. other facets of it. Yeah. Um, whether that be, you know, your relationship with God, friends, family, you know, once you have your wife and uh, wife, kids. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I, I try to spend my free time, you know, pouring into those around me. Yeah. Whether it be friends, family, and, you know, stuff like that. Try to find the, let, don't let, you know, these stuff that are means to an end dictate how I live my life. But yeah. Instead, like, use those to achieve what I want to, what I think should be the epicenter of life. Yeah. So. And the, the first episode I did, I had my, uh, the the lead pastor of this church, um, I had him on here. And then I also heard this, this other pastor, he does this other podcast, uh, his name's Tim Ross. Mm-hmm. And something that they both kind of said when, when I heard what they said, it was, they, they didn't, they tried to be careful not to fall in love with the title of pastor. Yeah. Because you could be, and there's obviously, you know, being a pastor is one of the biggest blessings Mm -hmm. as long as you're not like false preaching, you know, but, um, it, at the same time, you don't want to fall too in love with that because God is very much capable of telling mm-hmm. you, okay, now I need you to go here. Yeah. You know, I mentioned it on last week's episode, Abraham, you know, he was chilling in his hometown. Then God says, go to this land, go to, go to Canaan. Right. I believe it was Canaan. Y'all, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was uh, Canaan. Um, but yeah, like God is very much, you know, has the authority and is very much capable of telling you completely switching it up. And, you know, right now I love doing this podcasting thing, Yeah. but God could have something completely different for me tomorrow mm-hmm. and tell me to stop doing this right now. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I think that is important not to fall too in love with certain titles and even certain gifts that God yeah. has given you. Um, 
because if you fall too in love with that yeah. gift, you could be missing out on an even greater gift that God may have stored deep inside of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think of what I was about to say. Uh, I forgot, but yeah, I, I agree with that man. And you know, it, it, you can really get, you can really get stuck if you just try and have your whole life planned out and you're so drilled into that, that nothing else really matters. You're, it's like the, um, it's what they say nowadays. Like what, what do they say? Um, what are some sayings that people say nowadays? Like, Oh, it's about the, it's about the money or get get your bag, chase that bag. You know, it's like, what good's a bag if you, you know if you have no one in your life to to you know spend to to spend the bag on or if like if you spend all your time obsessing over acquiring money typically speaking you're going to probably view other people as a means to an end mm, rather yeah. than it i think it should be the opposite where we view we kind of view jobs and money as a means to an end yeah and focus on people and and even um a that type of mindset, mm. it can make you not want to befriend people that yeah. aren't in that same, mm. on that same yeah. quote unquote level as you. Like if you're making a lot of money yeah. and you're only about getting the bag, I only want to yeah. confide in people. I only want to befriend people that have that like mindset yeah. of just chasing the bag, chasing the bag, mm. chasing the bag. You could be missing out on somebody who may just like having a simple life and just yeah. being at home and you know a small house and stuff yep. who could give you so much wisdom and maybe even help you achieve your goal even more yeah but having that mindset and just putting yourself in that box you're limiting yourself and that kind of goes back to what you were saying before earlier you know being in that small town and kind of wanting to venture out yep. and you know learning and seeing that there is a world out there we can put ourselves in this box and then tape it shut and allow nobody to come in. Trust, we trust yeah. nobody. And it's like, you're missing out on so many things that you could be enjoying in this life. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's something I, I, I try to be cautious of because I do have some social anxiety and I'm an introvert. So there's, oh, me, a, there, was, too, there was always this temptation of just <laughs> like, do I really need to talk to new people? Uh, and they're like, sometimes talking to people I don't know sometimes is like terrifying. Uh, but uh, I think it's like, there's so much to grow in and there's so many opportunities by going on talking to new people. Yeah. And I think it's just very important to, yeah. to try to do, even if you're bad at it, like I am. But I, to me, there is nothing more, there's nothing more difficult to do than go up and starting a conversation with someone <laughs> you don't know. Like I, like I, once I'm get, I get going, I'm fine, but trying to start a conversation with somebody is like the most mentally taxing thing. Yeah, I can't cause, imagine. Cause you, you just think to, you think so much about like, what should I say? Mm -hmm. You know, is this person going to like me yeah. and stuff like that? Um, you know, something I hear somebody say a lot is, and this is, this is kind of more so relating to like shooting your shot with, yeah. with a woman, <laughs> but I, I think it can be with just wanting to make friends yeah. as well. You know, don't think too much about what you're going to say. Just go and be yeah. yourself, you know? And if they like you or not, that there's, I mean, there's yeah. only, you can't, you can't make somebody like yeah. you and if you unless put on you're being this, fake. You and know? if you put on this persona, they're going to, they're not going to, you know, whether it be a significant other or a friend, they're not going to like you for you. They're going to like you for the persona you, you put on. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, 
what's the at that point what is the what is the benefit of uh, what's the benefit of having someone like you for the unauthentic you? Yeah, and it, it's burdensome having to carry yeah. that load of being somebody else. And mm-hmm. look at look at uh, David and Goliath. Yeah. You know, before David went out and fought Goliath, he went up to Saul, and Saul was like, here, here's my armor. Yeah. Saul's armor didn't fit on David. Mm-hmm. But when David went out and he was himself, being who God made him to be, yeah. he knocked down that giant. I think a lot of times people in this world we try to put on somebody else's armor and go out mm-hmm. and try to live life like that. Yeah. But that's burdensome. If David had gone out there with that armor all on him, mm-hmm. he would have been putting his trust in the armor of man instead of the armor of the Lord. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that when you just trust in God, when you fully trust in God, you know, David said the not verbatim. A lot of the verses I say are not verbatim, so don't quote me, but they are like in the Bible. You know, David says, you know, the, the same God who helped me defeat the bear and defeat the mm-hmm. lion and protect the sheep is the same God who's going to deliver us yeah. from the Philistines, deliver us from Goliath. And so, yeah, man, just being yourself. And that's something I see in you. Like everywhere I see you, you're always yourself. And I try. that's something that <laughs> that's something to be celebrated, though, man. I can't really hide. I'm six foot three. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't really tuck away somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. think what you're talking about is also kind of a pitfall of how the American culture is set up. Uh, mm-hmm. I was pretty, I don't know. I'm an econ major, uh, Belk School of Business. Yes, sir. So, uh, but I was, in, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how uniquely individualistic the american culture is set up to be and it's like it's very uh it's very vertically uh individualistic where so that we treat others as competition yeah where you know cultures like japan are more like horizontally uh i think it was japan more horizontally individualistic we're kind of rooted more of coming up as a group yeah we're like here we're kind of treated as you know to you know we don't really appreciate others because we're, we're kind of taught to view them as competition and like how we gauge success should be based off how those around us are doing. And if we, and if yeah. you fall behind, yeah. you're a failure. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I, I disagree with that mindset a lot because I think it welcomes in this mindset, like you said, where you only want to be around people, you know, like you kind of get this attitude that you're better than people. And like, Oh, like how you're saying, like you only be, want to be around people who are, you know, socioeconomically the same as you yeah, or, you know, higher up than you. And I think it's, you know, I was thankfully raised by, you know, my parents and step parents because, you know, blended home uh, that at the end of the day, you're never, no matter what, you're never better than anybody. Like, you know, I, you know, I came to the city, I got a degree, but at my my core, I am a mountain hillbilly. Like (laughs) that is like, no matter what I do, I'm never going to outrun the accent. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's always here. It's here to keep me humble. But I, I do love it. It makes yeah. me unique. But it's like, you know, no matter what, no matter, you know, you could have all the letters after the, your name, PhD, whatever, MBA. But like at the end of the day, I'm a, you're, you're a person. Like we we're, were, you cut yourself, we all bleed red. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, like we're all the same. Yeah. Like well, honestly, the, the world's not going to start turning for any of us when we die. So why do we get so arrogant to think we're better than somebody? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, the benefit of kind of, you know, the small town upbringing is, at least in my case, I, I was lucky enough to have parents to that installed humility. Yeah. And just kind of being aware that, and one of the biggest things 
I am most grateful for is that this mindset that going back to my mom, because I think she best exhibits this and is kind of like how I want to be is that, you know, she was always big on the mindset that, you know, even your worst day, someone else would kill for. Like there's someone out mm. there who always, no matter how bad you think your situation is, yeah, is that, you know, she, someone's out there who's, they've got a worse hand dealt to them. Yeah. And that, you know, she's always been really good at finding the best in everything. Even yeah. in situations that were, you know, quite sucky, she always found the positives for. And I think that is why I want to be, uh, mm. is that, you know, I, I want to have that mindset where, like, you know, just because you get a bad hand dealt, it, it's part of life. Like, you know, there's someone yeah. out there that would, you know, they would trade their best day to have your worst day. Yeah. So I think having that, being just being humble and appreciative of, you know, like, we're, we're all people. Like, what's yeah. the point of thinking you're better than somebody? Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, my, like, I'm from a family of, you know, on my dad's side, they, they're they just mountain hunters. They like to hunt. They're outdoorsmen. Yeah. And it's like, we're all just people. Some yeah. people like to, you know, live in concrete jungles, and some people like to live in the woods. And it's fine. Like, you're do what makes you happy in life. Don't let other, I think that's the danger is like, like I have a little brother and I just, one thing, like if there was one thing I could really pass on to him is like, don't, don't try. You're not going to find happiness in life doing what others approve of. Like, mm. what do you want to do? If you want to, if you want to live a humble little life in, a, in the mountains and you know, that's fine. Like yeah. that, there's nothing wrong with that. And you, no one should take value away from you for doing that. Yeah. If you want to, you know, come to, you know, go to a city, go to a university. He's very smart for a 10-year-old. I think the sky's the limit. I, I, yeah. I hope he, you know, shoots for big things. That's my personal opinion. But, like, yeah. do what makes you happy in life. No, yeah. no one has any right to tell you what you you should or shouldn't be doing. Especially like once you're, like, our age, it's like, I think when, when you're young and you're, like, you know, under 18, parents do have that, like, they have that ability to kind of kind of point you in a direction and ultimately tell you, where you can and can't go. But once you're 18, you kind of have that ability to restrict uh, who ha who you let to have say-so in your life. And, yeah. you know, kind of like, like I have a short list of, you know, people whose opinions I, I trust. Yeah. And I think there, there are people that have earned the right, in my mind, to have a say-so. People yeah. whose, like, wisdom I trust. But, yeah, it's just yeah. – be happy. Like every, you only get one life and it's like, yeah. you don't want to be there at 40 years old thinking, Oh, I've lived this whole life. And what do I have to show for? I made every decision based off of trying to hunt for someone's approval. Yeah. To, so they think I'm a, I'm a successful person. Yeah. So, yeah. Although I do agree just to push back on that just okay. a little bit. Okay. You know, I do think it is healthy to, um, to seek wise counsel. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, cause even though you are at the age where you can make decisions yeah. for yourself now, one, you still have that, you know, authority oh, yeah. in the Lord, yeah, which you understand, of yeah. course. And then also, um, you know, something that uh, my friend Dolan said on the episode that he was on, he was saying that your parents are coming and good parents, you know, yeah. there are some bad parents uh, out there. luckily i had great parents yeah i will never i will never argue that i did not i, yeah. I had great parents and but yeah your your parents do you know tell you things from a perspective that you haven't necessarily yeah. experienced yet so it is um it is healthy to at least consider yeah 
Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. Like I, I do think that sometimes if you're, if you constant, if it's like you have to grow up at some point, you can obviously learn from anybody, but at the same time, I think if you're constantly having to go to somebody to help you make a decision, it's like, like eventually, like eventually you have to accept accountability and make your own decisions. Yeah. And I think back to what I was saying about that list is like, my parents are on the list, but I think it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the people that you've deemed have been influential and yeah. a positive aspect yeah. in your life to deserve that. So whether it be a pastor, you know, friends, family, whoever's on that list, I think that, you know, it's people that, you know, whose counsel you trust and if you believe have had a positive impact on you, like they've earned the right to give you that counsel. Yeah. Not yeah. just, you know, anybody who, who <laughs> wants to give you their opinion. Yeah. But, uh, what are we talking about? I feel like there was a question there on what you said, and I. Um, no. <laughs> that, hey, that's the root yeah. of the episode, man. Just going wherever right, we, we go, fine. man. But, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's one of the big things I think that we just get too caught up in our society is viewing. Back to what I said about the level of, like, the competition thing. It's just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Seek counsel for those that are important, but then, like, don't view others as competition because it's, it's just going to, it's going to deteriorate every relationship you have. Yeah. And you see like, you know, I imagine you can point to situations that you've witnessed where like people just aren't, ha- that you aren't truly happy for those around you because you become some, ab- so absorbed in the idea that you have to compete with them. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh, like you have a friend who's getting married, but instead of being happy and joyous in their life, you're jealous that you're not in that same phase. Mm-hmm. Or you see a friend succeed in their career, but you're not quite where you're at. So, like, resentment sets in, and it's like, no, like, everyone's path is different. Like, and I kind of what you said about growing up is like, I think everyone's eventually going to have to, some people have to grow up earlier than others. It's like yeah. your background and, you know, your situation and the hand you're dealt in life is going to affect when you eventually have to, you know, like you said, like, grow up and make your own decisions. And, yeah. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. But I think, you know, be okay with taking things at your own pace. Yeah. I think, you know, it's easy to suck into this trap of like, oh, you know, is this a career pathway I want to be? We're in our 20s. Like, this is the time yeah. we need to – I like – my cousin said you're – like, my cousin Josh said that you're in your 20s. Just – it's the time where you, you learn stuff. Mm-hmm. You try stuff out and you see what you like and you dislike. Mm-hmm. And it's just like if you're not – you know, if you're 25 and you're still figuring that out, that's okay. Yeah. Just because, you know, everyone else has it figured out doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. As long as you're happy with what you're doing. Then. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think anybody ever really has it figured out. They, oh, may, no. they may say they do to try and save face. But in reality, yeah. like we're all going through something. We're all trying to figure things out. You know, I heard a perspective even in marriage. You know, when you're saying I do yeah. to your partner, you're not only are you saying I do to what you already know about them, yeah, you're saying I do to what you don't know about exactly. them. Exactly. And you're committing to them not having it all figured out. Yeah. And it's like this mindset, like, I think, you know, marriage is a big deal. And I think that's something that people, like, you know, I think it's kind of stereotypical to say that in our culture, everyone says it, but people just kind of rush into it. Yeah. And then, they, yeah. you know, there's, you kind of, and especially we're like, you know, it, it, you're, it's a commitment. Like, you know, you're kind of taking that, every, all the flaws that you do or don't know about that person, you know, when you say I do, you're committed to helping them figure it out just as much as you're trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And I think people forget about that. So, you know, you're kind of just, again, we kind of get so absorbed in ourselves that we forget that, you know. Yeah. 
and, and kind of going back to your point, I know we're we're uh, <laughs> uh it's fine. I'm, but hey, we're, so I have nowhere to be till five. So yeah, we might have to keep this going because this is such a good conversation yeah. we're having right now. But to one point, you said a little bit earlier um, about the competition thing and mm-hmm. how in society a lot of things have become competition nowadays. Yep. Um, you know, I I do think. I do think it's okay to have a desire, like with the marriage analogy yeah. you use, like if you see somebody getting married, I think it's okay to have a desire to get married. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. But you want to be careful for it not to turn into jealousy yeah. or envy. Where you take away from them as well. Like they're, you're like their friend and they're expecting you to, and, but like your resentment is restricting your ability to be there f- with them in this exciting part of their yeah, life because yeah. you can't get over the resentment of, you know, you not being there. Yeah. And you know, something I I was reading through Deuteronomy and you know, God told the the Israelites through Moses <clears throat> and he says this, you know, and like when he's given the 10 commandments, he mm-hmm. says it like specifically when He's telling us not to have idols, not yeah. to live in idolatry. Mm-hmm. He's saying, for I am a jealous God. Yeah. And that can be something that's confusing for a lot of Christians because, like, how can God be jealous? Isn't Josie bad and stuff like that? What I, I'll get to my point, but yeah. just to kind of explain that a little bit, you know, God is perfect. So God's jealousy is justified yeah. in the sense that he is perfect because it's coming from a place where he has such a desire to be in relationship with us that yep. when we, as the imperfect humans we are, constantly just keep on rebelling against God and falling into the trap of idolizing other things, mm-hmm. whether it can be people, uh, things, you know, your phone devices, yep. video games, anything, you know, God has such a holy and perfect desire to want to be in relationship with us that seeing us just constantly keep on going to these things instead of him as the imperfect humans we are that obviously doesn't make him feel good so so god's jealousy is justified in that sense but you know like i was saying before you don't you want to make sure your desire doesn't turn into jealousy or envy Mm -hmm. and something i a perspective i heard about that which was pretty you know, cool, you know, jealousy and envy can often in the human language be married together yeah. and people can kind of use those in the same yeah. context. But with jealousy, what I heard jealousy is more so when you have such a desire to be on the level mm-hmm. of somebody else yeah, that you're willing to like, it, it puts in your mind that I want to be there so badly Mm-hmm. That I don't like the situation. I hate the situation that I'm in. I hate, you know, who I am right now. Yep. Envy is more so I want to bring them down. Je- jealousy is like I have this burning desire to, go to be on their level. Yep. Envy is like I have a burning desire to bring them yep. down to mine. And both of those mentalities are unhealthy for anybody, I feel, yep. because it can make you unappreciative of what you have currently Mm -hmm. that the Lord has given you, that the Lord has you stewarding and and things like that. And so that competition society, societal mindset that Mm -hmm. you were saying before, that's something that's so prevalent in today's world. And it can really make you miss out on so many things. It can make you miss out on life because 
there's a time of work, but there's also a time of enjoyment, I feel. Yeah. Um, obviously, life is meant to be enjoyed, and that joy comes from being in union with Christ. Mm-hmm. But I think we can, even in Christianity, I, I think that some Christians feel that they are supposed to work 24-7 for the Lord so yeah. much, but God may be calling you to go spend time with your children. Yeah, You know, God may be calling you to go take your wife on a date. God may be calling yeah. you to go watch a movie with your cousin that's in town mm-hmm. instead of going to this conference that you were supposed to attend. Yeah. So I, I think it can make you like, it can make you miss out on so much trying to be mm-hmm. in competition with everybody. So oh, definitely. I, it's crazy that you were saying it's like, bro, this conversation's dope, bro. I've had a blast. Like I said, I got nowhere to be <laughs> till five and it is, it's one thirty. We, we got plenty of time. I don't know where you, I don't know what you've got, if you have plans today, but, uh, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. But, uh, you mentioned having, you know, like kids and a wife and I think it's a little side tangent to what we're on. I think people like we get so caught up on having, you know, a, like the idea of a family is kind of like this American, like kind of like the American dream of like you yeah. work hard, but you have a wife and I think people like kind of fail to realize how important and how much of a responsibility it is. Like, especially like as a father, you know, you kind of set that expectation of how your kids expect to be treated by other men. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, like, especially when it comes to parenting girls and then like mothers parenting sons, you kind of set that expectation of what you expect to be treated like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, you, you like, you know, there's like a lot of statistics that go into it of like, uh, you know, like statistics show that, you know, people that grew up in abusive households tend to stay in abusive relationships longer because of like the fact that that is what you're comfortable with. And you kind of set that precedent of, Oh, this is how I was always treated. This is how I expect to be treated. So I think people forget about that when you get so caught up in the dream that we, we failed to realize the responsibility of it until we're there. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of just, you, you learn on the fly and it's a little too late. Mm, so yeah. I think like especially like you know like I, as men we are, we are both men here like parenting daughters like you kind of set that precedent of how she will expect every guy to treat her throughout her life mm-hmm. so like if you know you kind of have that pressures on to be this very involved respectful like you you set that precedent of what she's going to expect throughout her whole life so I think yeah. people forget about that yeah and, and to go with that as well you know something I tell my brothers all the time is you know. I tell them all the time, be prepared before it happens Mm -hmm. so you'll be ready when it happens. And, um, you know, obviously that kind of goes into the planning thing. But at the same time. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. (laughs) It it also reminds me of another another thing I heard this reverend say one time. He he said, haven't been there, can't tell going there how to get there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a way that you can help yourself in those situations. Like we're, we're not married yet and we don't have the experience of that. Mm -hmm. And so if we were just to hop into it, we would be kind of going blind a little bit. We would obviously have the Lord on our side, Mm -hmm. but I think there is a level of preparation that is necessary as well. Yeah. I know a lot of churches offer premarital counseling. Yeah. I think that, I think that's healthy. I think that, you know, a lot of couples before getting married should do something like yeah. that. Um, I I do think it's important to. 
I mean, I do think it's important to go to somebody that has experienced marriage. Yeah, typically in that regard. at the church I go to, it's, it's old people. Like it's, okay. it's it's people in like their. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's like I want to say like the age threshold. The age threshold is. <laughs> I am everyone I know that's done it's been married like twenty years. So I imagine yeah. it's like they don't like you got to be pretty like old in your marriage. Yeah, I think they try. They walk you through like you know what life is like when you're first married. Like as you go through different stages, obstacles that come in, and kind of yeah. getting your expectations on the same level of what you expect within a marriage. Yeah. So, which is a good idea, probably. Yeah, definitely. And um, what was I about to say? Um, I completely, it completely lost, went. I completely lost my train of thought. But it was, it was along those lines of what. I'm I, <laughs> I completely lost it, bro. But yeah, I, I agree, man. It it definitely um you you definitely want to go through that counseling. You it, it's kind of like Christianity, you know, like I was saying earlier, count mm. the cost because you have to be you're gonna have to allow the Lord to prepare your mind to mm. be willing to make a sacrifice for him. Yeah. You know, Isaac, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was willing I mean even though he didn't probably didn't want to do that. Yeah. He was willing to do what the Lord said even if it meant coming at the expense of his son's life. Yeah. And so I think I believe I think it's the same thing in marriage. You know, I I think that's important because someone else trying to open the door. We're popular today. Yeah. <laughs> I'll continue what you're saying. But I uh, I think it that completely that messed me up. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's important to count the cost, you know, before getting in marriage too, because in marriage, I mean, we have, we're not married, yeah. But I'm sh- I'm pretty sure it's well known that sacrifice is going to be necessary within marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason they say like the you know the traditional mm-hmm. marriage thing, you know, in life, in, yeah. in health, in sickness or health, in health, right? You're committing to this person. And, you know, you're, you're saying I do to this person. And like we were saying earlier, you're saying I do to not only what you do know about them, but what you don't know about them. God may have it in their story 20 years from now, they may get sick. Yeah. And, you know, it's maybe difficult to navigate that, but it's important to understand that that's a possibility before Mm -hmm. hopping into marriage. And that's more, that's more so like, for anybody, because yeah. anybody can get sick. Oh yeah, you know it's not like this. All oh, this specific person is going to get sick, so that that doesn't necessarily. I don't think that necessarily goes into the process of choosing who to marry, mm-hmm. but just the overall like idea of marriage yeah. that definitely falls into in that regard. It's but, it's a commitment, like you know, yeah. you see a lot of times with you know, uh, people get married and it, you know you get so infatuated with the idea of having kids and like sometimes people just biologically can't. Yeah, and you you can see, you know, that puts a strain on a lot of marriages where, you know, because yeah. that's like something you, a lot of times people don't know until you, you know, you're having fertility issues. And then you got, and yeah. you learn that like, Oh, yourself or your partner are, you know, you're infertile. And it's like, that can put a big strain on it, but like you signed up for that. Like that's yeah. part of the commitment. Yeah. You know? And I, I, to me, it's like, I want kids, but they're not a deal breaker. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to like, I couldn't imagine, you know, leaving someone because of that like something like that is really out yeah, of their control yeah but like some people like you they like the thought of not having their own biological children it's just like it's mind-boggling to them 
Yeah. But it's part of what you sign up for. Like you made that commitment and you know, that's a supposed to be a lifelong commitment till death do you part. Yeah. But you know, like this, like sometimes you just can't help some stuff. People yeah. can't help people get sick or stuff that's going to happen in the future that you don't know at the current moment. And, and you got to think about that too, because that may be God calling you to adopt yeah. or do foster care. Mm-hmm. You, your lack mm-hmm. could turn into an opportunity for another yeah. child's gain, mm-hmm. another child's opportunity to experience what it is like to have two parents. Yeah. And when that child gets older, you know, you may be able to tell him the story of how, you know, y'all weren't able to have kids and y'all decided to adopt him. And that'll be so like, I guess it depends on the kids. Some kids probably yeah. would get, you know, feel some type of way, yeah. but you know, I think, I wonder what it, the percentage of kids that are adopted know they're adopted. I've always wondered that statistic, but can we do what you're saying? Know. That just popped to my mind. Real yeah. Fast and I've, I've always wondered, <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, imagine an adopting kid hearing that, you know, his adoptive parents stayed together despite the fact that they weren't able to have kids, yep. you know, that could make them, you know, see marriage in a different light mm-hmm. than if they were, you know, staying where they were before they were yeah. adopted and just kind of seeing, just being in like a system or, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, I think, you know, kind of looking at those situations like that, you know, but obviously pray about it. Of course, mm-hmm. maybe God just has called yeah. the relationship to be just y'all too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's so something I mean, to work out in the moment. Yeah. But you know, it's not a reason to leave. Yeah. Like you've made a commitment to that person and it's, yeah. They're your life partner. Yeah, so exactly. But man, I, th- this was a great conversation. Wait, one, we touched on one thing: love languages. We were talking about it yes, before yes, that yes, we started. Yes, yes. And our hour of lead up time. You told, us, you told me to hush on it, so I feel like let's do it. Let's talking do it. about this will be our ending little ending yeah. discussion before we end. Uh, let's do it because we were talking beforehand. I think I think the marriage and kids thing is a perfect um, segue into it. Is yeah. that I think. You have to be careful. I think our culture very much, we, we hear love languages all the time. Uh-huh. I think you have to be careful because I think they can introduce a lot of selfishness into a relationship. Because mm. I think so many times when you discuss sacrificial love, it's talking about others should sacrifice how they show love to meet your needs. Mm. But I think it's a two-way street where mm. – part of sacrificial loving is also sacrificing how you receive love to make the mm. other person feel like they're, they're loving you well. Mm. And it's a two way street. Cause I think a lot of times it's like everyone, like I'm not going to punish someone. I'd rather someone give me love a hundred percent of how they know how to than 80% of how I would prefer them to. Yeah. Cause like we said earlier, I don't receive gifts are not my thing. Uh-huh. I feel awkward people giving me stuff. <laughs> like, it just feels weird. Yeah. Uh, but like, I've had to learn that there are people in my life that they like giving gifts. Like it's, it's what they do. My, my roommate, Ben, he's a big gift guy. The, the amount of gifts he's given me and the amount of gifts I've given him over the six years we've known each other, big gap. Yeah. I try to because I always, I always give him a Christmas present because I feel obligated to. Because, but, uh, but that's how he shows love. And I'm not going to be like, and I'm not going to like reject the gifts because that's, you know, that's rude. Yeah, and it's like it's also like I'm gonna get you got to get him stuff once in a while because that's how he, you know, receives and gives love. Yeah, and it's a two way street. Like if you know, some people just get so 
caught up in like, oh, someone has to show me love how I want to. You forget that it's a two-way street of you have to sacrifice mm. to make them feel loved as well. Yeah. So And bro, it, it's that's dope that you say that because mm. I think that relates so much to even like Christianity. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I struggle with receiving gifts too, not because I'm not appreciative, yeah. but I am, I don't, I don't believe in like the work-based salvation. Yes. I believe in like God sent his son. Mm-hmm. Jesus's blood covers all of our sin. Yeah. And we are saved because of his finished work. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a person who I struggle sometimes with free gifts because I, I'm very critical of myself and I like to work for what I have. Yeah. You know, not saying I work for like my salvation because yeah. I understand that, but I'm just talking about from a human perspective, yeah. you know, I like to be able to work mm-hmm. and feel that I have earned yeah. this gift, you know, but G- Jesus wants us to sacrifice that mindset and just accept him. And I think we have to be a- be able to do the same thing for people. Yeah. Um, you know, something Salo told me, I forget what the context was of the situation, but I had received a free gift from somebody mm-hmm. and I was telling him about it and how I was kind of struggling with it. Like, yeah. I just feel like I don't deserve this, you know? Yeah. And in a way, in many ways, you know, we don't, you know, mm-hmm. but he told me, you know, you have to learn how to accept, be able to accept free gifts. Yeah. And that word you said, that sacrifice, you have to sacrifice. I you you in a way you have in some aspects not every aspect because there are some ways that people show things that aren't healthy for you yeah but if it's not like detrimental yeah i think it's healthy to sacrifice the way that you receive love mm-hmm. from people and going on the other way the two way like you were saying it's important to sacrifice the way that you show your love for them that's why it's yeah. important to have communication um you know with a relationship you know, something that I tell my parents all the time, I want to be, I want my wife to know everything. Yeah. Like I want to be so communicative that she's able to tell if I'm mad when I get home. Yeah. Just by my body language. I want to be able to tell if she's mad or had a rough mm. day when she got home because of her body language. Yeah. That's how I want, that's how badly yeah. I want that communication to be. Um, And so I think communication is important. Hey, you know, you know, I, I like this or mm-hmm. I like that, or maybe, you know, do this a little bit differently. Yeah. And just that way of that showing love. I think that's so important what you're saying, man. And, um, it is important to make that sacrifice and just see the bigger picture at the end of the day. So the way you like broke that down, that kind of makes it all make sense yeah. to me now. And and I think that, it, it takes a lot of personal reflection to realize. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to be honest with yourself when like looking over that, because you could, thing again like kind of like what i said earlier is like you don't get to dictate how other people feel about your actions so yeah. like even if you accept it did you exp- did you accept it in a way that made them feel loved like mm-hmm. or was it like kind of begrudgingly you know yeah i'll take it yeah but it's like you know i'm aware that i am very low maintenance and i think that certain personality types especially people that like they need to feel needed in order to feel loved. I have historically struggled to, you know, I, I think that I've historically had some, some conflict, not, con- but con- uh, not confrontation, but conflict in those relationships because yeah. 
like they like I've been told it's like how do you like someone told someone uh I've been told that I am frustratingly low maintenance that's the most accurate way I think I've ever heard someone describe me yeah is that like they want like, someone that they felt they needed to feel needed but they feel like how do you make someone feel needed when they barely have their any needs and they fulfill them themselves yeah. so I think it's like even if it's not natural kind of just opening yourself up to letting other people in mm-hmm. and letting like try to find ways to make like if you someone in your life whether it be a relationship a friend family like they they thrive on that or like they need to feel needed to feel loved try to find areas like I've worked on trying to find areas of my life where I can seek them to allow them to feel needed because I think it's part of like yeah. you got to sacrifice yourself sacrifice it's a sacrificial love it's not other sacrifice to, for you to feel love it's we sacrifice as christians we're supposed to, we're supposed to sacrifice to the world yeah and same thing like with you know you can like with respect like just because someone you know disrespects you doesn't give you the right to disrespect them yeah and it's like you know we are called to be loving and respectful i think like as the christians we are above all things else we're called to be loving mm-hmm. to our neighbor and to the world around us yeah and i think some people forget that yeah. Or we get so we get so caught up in what our society deems as love mm. that we forget what real love is. Mm. And that's like, you know, like how Christ died for us, you, you know, dying for, dying oneself for for the for everyone around like how Christ died yeah. for all of us and I think yeah. people just get too caught up in what the world tells us yeah. is love or what love should look like. Yeah. You know. And, and it can bring about an unintentional pride. Yeah. Because um it's not necessarily a bad thing to be like, oh, now you're good. I don't need this or like, I don't want this, you know, keep it and stuff. But I think over time it can grow into an unintentional pride to where it's more about me than it is Mm -hmm. about them giving to me. Oh, definitely. And so, yeah, I think both of us can definitely work on that and just learning how to, you know, more accept more, free yeah. gifts from people because it, it just may be something that God put on their heart to mm-hmm. do. And something that this lady told my dad one time um, <laughs> at his job, I think she was trying to give him a gift or something. Yeah. And he was like, nah, I'm good. And she was like, don't block my blessing. Uh, you know, good saying you add that to the quote journal. <laughs> yeah. She was like, don't <laughs> block my blessing. Obviously you can't, we can't block God's blessings. Yeah. We don't have that power over him. But I think that just kind of puts it in perspective because, you know, that could just be their way of worshiping mm-hmm. by by giving to the people that God has placed in their life that has helped them in some type of way. Yeah. And they want to just give back to the Lord by giving to the person that God placed in their life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think that's definitely important, man. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I've been working through the last couple of months. Is yeah. Just trying to get better at, you know, the self-realization of where you fall short in that. Yeah. And I think that's something, that's something you got to work on because it's part of a relationship is that it's, it's a back and forth street. And if you're, if you, you, if you can't receive love, how are you supposed to, to give it? It's mm. a two way street. It's a 50, yeah. 50. It's not yeah. like you can do one and not the other. Yeah. So. I, I completely agree with that, man. But, this was such a great conversation. I'm definitely going to have to have you back on for a part two, man. Oh, definitely. Let me know when. Definitely, bro. Because th- this was amazing. I, I I know for a fact, like, somebody's going to be, somebody's going to be impacted and moved by, you we know, this about whole conversation. Lot, so. Yeah, we dove into a lot. And, and that's the embodiment of 
this episode. I still don't have a title for it. I can't think, but I'll 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 let you know when I come up with it. Okay. But um, that that's the embodiment of this episode. Like, it wasn't planned. It wasn't oh, no. manufactured. We just we just went in. just went in just natural, man. So. I know, when, dope, man. I know when my family sees this, the first thing my mom's going to say is a comment about my posture. <laughs> I know she's going to like, like set up straight. And I'm like, I can't help it. Yeah. But I, I appreciate you being on here, man. I, I, again, I appreciate you for, for being on here. Um, and just, I like to say this on every episode, gracing this platform with your presence. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I enjoyed it so much. And you know, for y'all listening, thank you for tuning in. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you. Make sure to go share with a friend. Uh, make sure to follow us on the Instagram page. That's you, our story podcast on Instagram. The letter U, the letter R, story podcast on Instagram. Make sure to go follow on there um, and, you know, just get different updates on there as well. Make sure to listen to, make sure to subscribe and follow on all the streaming platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave a rating, leave a review. That'll be greatly appreciated. I just like to hear what y'all think about each episode, what y'all think about, you know, what was said and stuff and different ideas that and topics to talk about. You know, I'd love to hear what y'all think about that as well. Um, also, make sure to go subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's the letter U, the letter R, and then story on youtube make sure to go subscribe hit the notification bell so you can be updated with every new episode that comes out and just rolling with me you know i I feel like god is doing something special here and i feel like he's going to continue to allow this to have some type of impact in your life and you can take something away from each episode so again i appreciate you for listening um, make sure if, if you want all of those links, it's in the Instagram page. I have a link on there, a link tree on the Instagram bio. You can go check out and follow all the links on there to all of the streaming platforms and other information. Make sure to go read and subscribe to the reclassified.com. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you all for listening. Thank you, my man, Jordan, for, for being me. here again. Definitely going to bring you back on sometime in the, in the future, man. But again, appreciate you. And we will see y'all next time. Peace.